The Mind Sponsor for today is upcoming podcast series, Personality Sleuths. Personality Sleuths will be co-hosted by Dr. J. Galen Buckwalter, whose career includes being the founding chief science officer of eHarmony and me, leveraging my experience as a venture capitalist and entrepreneur. We will analyze personality using a speech-based proprietary AI algorithm, along with the clues evident in social media and the popular press. Each episode will dissect the life of someone famous who gained the trust of many before becoming notorious for duping people, committing a crime, or losing exorbitant amounts of money, all while the clues were there all along and how they spoke. Tune in soon. Our heart sponsor for today is Decoding Success. Decoding Success enables you to get a feel for the personality of the people with whom you are interacting passively, without alerting the party that you are doing it, such as would happen typically when a questionnaire is used, the only other means to capture the analyzable data. Using text from emails, messages, or a Twitter account, Decoding Success can optimize your chances for a successful encounter by prepping you ahead of time. Want to know about that entrepreneur in whose company you are contemplating an investment prior to the pitch meeting? Want to screen which candidates will be best suited to join your team before you even meet them? Visit D-E-C-O-D-I-N-G-S-U-C-C-E-S-S.com. On this episode, we have Mary Humiston. Mary was born and raised in upstate New York. She developed an interest in psychology during her undergrad years and opted to do a master's in business psychology coupled with an MBA. She began working at General Electric and would spend seven years there. She ultimately landed in human resources. From GE, she moved to retailer Gap and helped them establish systems. She then worked for a SoftBank-backed startup. After it was sold, she returned to an industrial giant and worked for Honeywell in Europe as well as Applied Materials before becoming Chief Human Resources Officer at Rolls-Royce. In addition to now serving as a senior advisor for Accenture, she has launched Modern Career, a purveyor of HR insights to executives. Mary, thank you so much for being on our show. My pleasure. I'm excited to be here and have a conversation. Yeah, as am I. Um, you have such a, a rich background, and I'm always marveled by people who have such rich experiences uh, in large corporate settings and then decide to do the entrepreneurial uh, launch. Mm. <laughs> um, mm. It's it's. I, I think it's wonderful to see and. Uh, um, also, uh, a theme I feel is in your career is one of uh, what I call intrapreneur, where mm -hmm. Um, mm -hmm. you're in a large organization, but you're affecting change. And um, so a lot of the entrepreneurial mindset and ways of thinking are, are employed or deployed, so to speak. So uh, I think that's what has given you the, the skill set um, for your current uh, company to be a wild success. Um, I like to though start uh, from the very beginning and uh, you're chatting with us now from upstate New York. And is that where you were born, Mary? Well, even further north. I'm uh, in the New York capital right now, but I grew up okay. three hours north of here, about an hour from the Canadian border. Uh, oh. So yeah, and quite a small town, uh, yeah. a beautiful part of the country. Um, so yeah, I grew up until I went to university. Okay. Right. Well, and the university was also um, uh, in New York State. You yeah, I didn't go uh, too RPS. far. <laughs> you know, yeah, I went right. first to uh, get a uh, bachelor's in psychology, uh, Siena College um, in 
also where I am now. It's actually down the road from where I'm living at the moment. And then very close by to Rensselaer Polytechnic Institute. It's actually the oldest technological institute in the United States of America and um, went on for graduate school. So I went in for a master's in psychology in organizational and industrial psychology. And then while I was there, I got my MBA. Okay, fantastic. Now, growing up, uh, do you have siblings? I do. I have a brother and two sisters. Are you the oldest by chance? No. <laughs> it's funny you <laughs> ask that. No, I share the middle. Why do you have research that says <laughs> entrepreneurs are, are the oldest or what? <laughs> There might be, uh, but uh, what I was trying to get at is I always like to find the, uh, if I can, the underpinnings of uh, career choice and, you know, be in a, you chose a pretty nurturing uh, kind of uh, caretaking path in terms of human resources. Mm -hmm. And so I was just trying to see. um, Middle child. (laughs) Yeah, middle child. Well, so you you kind of saw all the personality types (laughs) as a child. Um, what were some of the things you were, you did for fun? Did you did you read a lot? Were you active in student government? Well, in in the earlier you know formative years, I would say yes, I was, and I and I ha- I went to um, I had great experience in both my undergrad and college, where it was really encouraged to be in anything and everything. It wasn't mm. limited, so I dabbled. I was. Um, moderately sporty, I would say I did, you know, I was a cheerleader and I was in everything. I wasn't great at anything. I tried, I went into, um, play soccer my first year in university. And then I said, that's enough. So, you know, I topped out, but, but I was in any, anything I could. And Mm, I think that's that's important. I, I wasn't as focused on, I have to have the perfect grades and, you know, I have to be the top of my class. I did well, but I really wanted the balance. Yeah, that's great. And uh, did you, when you started at Siena, did you think I'm going to study psychology or was that something that evolved while you were there? Yeah, no. I mean, I really admire people who know what they think they want as they go in. It's really hard to. All I knew is I wanted something that would serve me as a foundation. And I was interested enough in psychology, you know, again, what do you have in psychology under, uh, in high school? Not much, but I thought this will be great and a place to step into something else. Now it turns out I then stayed in it for the most part and then added business later, but I knew it would be foundational. Okay. No, that's great. And um, did you think that you would have, uh, you'd go towards the corporate side uh, in college or <laughs> No, no, didn't even, I, truthfully, I didn't have a big look up and look out. I just kind of mm. followed what made sense. And as I was graduating, you know, again, true, what are you going to do with a bachelor's in psychology? The roles were limited. So I knew I wanted to keep moving on in my education. Yeah. And I went for my master's and it was more business psychology, but it was when I was in that program that I said, and you know what, I want an MBA at the same time, because that's really then expanding into business. Um, Probably the smartest thing I ever did that grounded me tremendously. That's great. Wonderful. And no, what happened is there was, uh, I I got a um, a request to look at a co-op, an internship 
uh, at GE at the time when I was in graduate right. school. I, I almost said no to it because I was very busy <laughs> in two programs. And I, frankly, I was putting myself through both programs. I worked really hard. And so, you know, my capacity was nil. Sure. And yet they said, oh, won't you go interview, please? You know, it's really great opportunity. And thank God I did, because yeah. not only did I have this great three months experience in this internship, but it led to me going on to a leadership program at GE. And fantastic. God, I hope they stone. don't cut those programs. <laughs> I'm going to scream that <laughs> because it was so amazing. General Electric had, and many companies do, just these really strong, they're like MBAs as well, but inside a corporation is so amazing from the network as well as the experience. Yeah, yeah. Now, uh, well, and that would be, it was a stepping stone for a pretty lengthy uh, period of time there. You were there about seven years at, uh, yeah, at GE. Little, yeah, a little over. Yeah. And, and not all of that was in HR. I right. went on to um, GE's corporate audit staff, which is, again, like an internal consulting. That's my MBA on steroids, that experience, right. across industry, because GE was and is in many businesses that cut across different industries, very global, all kinds of issues that you're dealing with. So what a rich experience that you can get in a short period of time. And also Absolutely. working with a team, you, you know, you did sole, you know, loan work, uh, you know, that was about what you did, but mainly it was team-based work. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and this was uh, Jack Welch era. Jack Welch era, huge fan. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, and um, G was known for uh, not only grooming their their management uh, team and 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 all the executives at GE, but there was also it was also a fairly competitive environment. Um, there was turnover at the bottom level um, based on performance and grades. And I mean, how was it uh, being a part of a system like that? Did that feel callous at all, or? I mean, it certainly drove drove the growth <laughs> and profitability. Yeah, I mean, I have to say, maybe I was, you know, coming up in my career, I didn't notice it as much. I think mm -hmm. I only saw the goodness of the meritocracy, and I, um, I think there were harsher days probably before I got there. <laughs> okay. And I think that you know, that was really the beginning time of that. It wasn't just about your what and how, you know what you delivered it was about how you delivered it so i was in the days of they both matter and you need to figure that out we'll give you a shot mm. but how you do what you do is is even more important yeah yeah that's so interesting that makes a ton of sense um now on the audit side um that wasn't accounting related oh was yes it? <laughs> oh yes oh okay. so when so that... yeah well thank god i yeah. you know i kind of had the mba because so when uh i went in it was pre-sarbanes-oxley or just about oh. and oh. so the the audits would be you know three months six months in a business they would be book financial audits. They could be process audits, looking at a process that needed improvement and excellence, or they could be compliance, you yeah. know, general governance, or there was an issue. So generally, you know, you cut across all three, which was phenomenal. Yeah. And we left goodness behind, not just we reviewed you, we left, you know, uh, ways forward and, and partnership. 
But then Sarbanes-Oxley hit and everything kind of swung back to the role is finance audit. So that, yeah. you know, my tail okay. end was a little more book, but, you know, yeah. but I, it was invaluable, you know, to really understand finance doesn't matter what you do in your career. And to be fair, I still refresh myself all the time. It's, oh. you know, it's just an area that it's really important and foundational. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, um, usually uh, there's sort of a mindset that you think of when you think of those running audit or accounting um, financial audits. It's um, very procedural, very by the book, whereas um, in human resources, you think of just a softer touch, <laughs> a lighter, more human based. Oh, yes, it was very different. <laughs> but you know so, what I found, this will be funny to say, it's uh, a lot of it isn't just what's in the numbers and what you're looking at. You interviewed a lot of employees and you looked at how they did their jobs and the process and what went into it. And you asked them whether it was being done right or not so right. And I guess mm -hmm. I think my ability to connect and look beyond just what was obvious was really important. Um, nice. I mean, I would uncover lots of challenges and people would say, yeah we've been looking at that for years. How did you find that out? And it was, I think, again, through those more human skills. Wonderful. Wow. That's so well said. Yeah. And, you know, the systems of GE have always been so impressive and kind of the standard bearer, the gold standard really uh, across corporate America. I, I just remember whenever they did an acquisition um, and, and I, I've lived through a few where it's seeming chaos at the outset, but GE had it so fine-tuned and polished. It wasn't uh, setting up all these committees about, okay, which uh, accounting or manufacturing uh, ERP system are we going to base this on and make those decisions? So they just, they had a SWAT team just went in and said, it's switching to this. You <laughs> and know, it was very efficient. But to your point, it's such, it's so important to have that balance. So I had the richness, if I say it was the, you know, uh, a briefcase, if you will, of all this great practice and this Six Sigma mindset and all these right. beautiful things. But I also recall uh, my first uh, real big startup experience. And that mindset for me got really challenged. I, I remember peers of mine um, doing things where I might have seen a wall and I think, oh my God, they just went through that wall. And that was invaluable for me because I thought, if you see the walls, mm. you, they're there. And if you yeah. don't, and I'm not talking from, you know, you know, certain governance or integrity things, but if you don't, you can actually achieve so much more. So it was that balance mm. of trying to bring the the goodness of the large company, you know, and you need that to scale, but also keeping a mindset that's really open to possibility. And that that's tricky to do. Yeah, yeah, that's so interesting. Yeah, this kind of learned behaviors that we have that you have to see the world through a new lens that that's a there's a learning curve there for sure. Yeah. Uh, tell us about the transition from GE to Gap. Well, so with GE, and especially with the audit work, but also some of my earlier jobs, you can imagine they were in 
the locations that a lot of GE manufacturing was in and all this. And, you know, and I was young and I get this call to go to California, which is where the headquarters of Gap was, <laughs> highest growth in the history of the company. And would you mm. lead staffing? So I thought how cool to get a deep specialist experience in HR, where at the time at GE, you'd have to go a long time up to corporate because everything right. was generalized. So, right. and I thought, I'm going to go do this. And why not? Because you can always go back. So yeah, I took off my family thought, what are you doing? <laughs> they thought I was a bit crazy. And um it was so different. I mean, again, from Six Sigma to slap it on the wall, fix it later. I mean, it was really radically. And I went into something that was, um, you know, the recruiting at the time was so high growth. There was no system, mm. no process, and a huge lack of capability team-wise. So I could see it, but our ability to put it in place was really then the challenge, you know, and it's one thing to do it in a system, like you said, like GE, where you, you can say water and everyone knows what you're talking about. And you just go, as you say, just go get it done. This yeah, was yeah. massively challenging. Wow. Wow. I can imagine uh, the, just how different it would have been almost night and day. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was night and day. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and how were you able to... Um, develop some systems there, create those. Uh, Absolutely. And yeah. I can look back and see, I think it's hard again, if you don't know what good looks like, and even after it's there, you don't know, it's harder to appreciate. But I know we put in the first tools and recruiting system within a very short time, upgraded nice. the team. I mean, we had hundreds of recruiters hiring at all levels. I mean, I hired this, a new CFO and this one and that. That's a big deal. And the company went from 9 billion to 13 billion in a few years while I was there. Wow. And this was not wow. capable. And by the way, I happen to know of many, it would shock people to know that there are still pockets of some very well-known companies who are in high growth and don't have that piece of their business button down. And it's, it's surprising to me because talent is for those kind of businesses is everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, um, for so many, it, it's, it becomes an afterthought and, and, mm -hmm. you know, what, mm -hmm. what has led, there's a, there's a bias with the leadership team because what has led to the astronomical success is a product or a service offering. And so it, the sense is that everything just needs, all resources need to be put towards that. Mm -hmm, and it almost mm -hmm. blinders that. Uh, <laughs> Although, you know, if you say, uh, you know, if you were a really small company, so when I first went in in a recruiter, I'd say, tell me how you, you know, do things. And they would look at CVs and resumes and do things, call people, barely track them. Um, and then one person told me they put resumes in a bag and brought them home and sat on their floor and looked at them at night too, because they still needed. So that's where it was at. But if you think about, if you were really an earlier stage company and growing, that's okay. That's how you worked and that's what you did. But at the point at which you've got to continue to build the right capabilities to scale is really the, the, the secret sauce because you can't do it when it's already yeah. a mess. I mean, you can, but it's, you pay a lot of price for that. 
Yeah, it's a lot harder to uh, undo bad habits than establish good ones at the outset. Mm. <laughs> yeah, mm. but yeah, it's it's interesting. Like infrastructure, internal infrastructure is often the last thing that uh, is focused on in terms of a uh, an area of, in need of resources and development. Um, so uh, you were at Gap for how many years? It's about three, and during that time. It was kind of the tail end of the gold rush of startup mm. and I'm sitting in Silicon Valley and one day I thought I'm in retail and <laughs> the action is all around me and all my friends were in startups and growing businesses and um, I jumped in. I jumped in a little late because, you know, things globally and economically changed about a year later, but yeah. I went into an early stage business. There were 20 employees at the time. It was SoftBank backed. It was um, very exciting days. It was a B2C to start. And we, you know, when you're only 20 employees, believe me, I yeah. wore multiple hats and I was really <laughs> engaged and empowered and things were exciting. And one day we got an overture from Ford Motor Company and a few other uh, companies that flipped us within a month to being a, a B2B and a big, you know, had a, a really powerful uh, look ahead. So we started scrambling to build that. We went public within a year. Oh, and, and this we, was Earthlink. Well, no, 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 gosh, this, we sold ourselves to Earthlink. So we got out, uh, okay. we got out, we went global, we were growing and things were good. But if you recall, kind of whatever that was, 92, it was a, you know, the global economy crashed and everything was, was really uh, stressed. We ended up sell, closing a few uh, geographies and sold the U.S. business to Earthlink, which was great to keep, they, yeah. I believe, yeah. the brand still exists uh, within Earthlink. Right. But a phenomenal experience. I mean, I don't know where else I'd have an experience of taking a company public growing it globally, yeah. wearing so many hats. So not just HR, but I was kind of the chief administrative officer. So a bit over many things and yeah. really rich experience. Didn't make much money, but <laughs> you know, at one point it looked phenomenal, but you know, as these right. things go, some, some turn out extremely well and some don't. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, it sounds like it was a, um, a wealth of experience that you huge, got out of it. Huge. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, in that regard, <laughs> it was extremely uh, valuable. Yeah. Well, from there, you made a turn back to uh, an industrial titan. And uh... yeah, and I mean, this is this is kind of one of those moments where, gosh, I was interviewing with Google and Amazon and, and had I, you know, sort of, but those experience, that experience to me was exhausting on a level, you know, that you have to be up for the next one. And I think for yeah. me, it was like, hmm, maybe, you know, let's see what I can bring back to a more stable corporate environment. And, you know, stable is a funny word, because shortly <laughs> after I got there, this whole transformation thing came about right. in the world. And I think Honeywell was early in that. And so, yeah. um, you know, I had HR roles leading HR for businesses. I also 
led HR for Europe, Middle East, and Africa, and I was based in Brussels for that wow. um, okay. for that experience, which I loved. That might have been one of my favorites. Mm. Uh, but I also led transformation, which you know is fabulous because what a skill set. It's both strategic but deeply operational. So uh, Honeywell was very again, I think, really early in that, and that is a great skill set and mindset. No, fantastic. Well, and just to, um, uh, in case listeners aren't familiar with transformation, maybe you could just oh, describe sure. that a little bit. <laughs> well, I think, you know, again, if it'd be fabulous if we could all um, continuously improve in such a way that we just always stay up and current as the world and things around us within business change. But sometimes when you don't, which often is the case, the amount of change is big. It's more than yeah. just a small change. It's a, it's a fundamental change and you've got to leap, you know, leapfrog. And so the transformation is how do you go from where you are to pretty much a, a, a completely different state. And mm-hmm. I was leading it for the function of HR and we had to, you know, and that's that big change to lead that. That's not like, hey, let's put in an IT system. This is, let's really overhaul everything. And in doing so, of course, you take a lot of cost out. But that's a big deal to to get everyone aligned and ready for something like that, that you all, including me, might not like the other side. You you know what I mean? You might personally not benefit from it. You're going somewhere and uh, you got to go. Well, not just the other side, but um, most people uh, resist change, and that process of undergoing change is really uh, disorienting. It sure so is. It sure is. I-, I could just imagine the personality management that you had to be involved with in order to get there. And some people don't make it; they 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 kind of they leave from through attrition, or or they, they maybe need to be asked to leave, and that kind of thing. I mean, I imagine you faced a lot of that. A ton of it. And and I remember the personal experiences because you could, I, I was in more of that leadership role. So you're leading and it's all, that's all cushy until one day you go, oh, I've got to cut my own team and I've got to change, you know, and then, and then when you feel it and you really feel what that is like, it's completely different. It's all good, mm-hmm. but it's a personal thing to go through change. Yeah. And I remember though, my my favorite, one of my favorite experiences at Honeywell was when I was in Brussels and I was 35, I think at the time, and had no background in labor relations, something I just mm-hmm. didn't have in all of my HR. I didn't have it. And I'm kind of glad I didn't because the way it's done in Europe is completely different than it's the US, so, right? <laughs> so if you have that mindset, you know, which I'm glad I didn't have. And so I get there and it's a very big deal. There were works councils, unions uh, mm-hmm. everywhere. And I was leading that um, conversation, dialogue process and new agreements as they get formed. And everyone but me in the 50 person body of works councils was, uh, everyone else was male. There was one other woman. And they were much older. I mean, probably average age was, you know, 50. And so, and this is being done in however many, you know, 20 different languages. Hmm. And what I learned 
really, which is so important, and I want to bring this up for today because I've been thinking a lot about it lately, is how important it was to learn that it was all about the listening, Mm. that it wasn't just, you know, and there were so many folks back in the U.S. who was like, just have these meetings and check the box and get them done because they thought it was just a process that you had to do it. And, and for God's sake, don't let change, you know, don't say yes to anything. You know what I mean? But it wasn't even about that. It was about really informing people of things that were coming and listening deeply Mm. to concerns or questions. Cause often people just mean, you know, you think you're communicating and they don't know what you're talking. You just said, what is transformation? They don't know what you're talking about Mm. and they want to really understand and have their voice. So that was huge. And I, again, thinking a lot about that lately because it's such an opportunity for us to just listen to each other more. Well, and just the benefit of being seen or heard, um, Mm -hmm. especially if you have a grievance, um, it goes a long way. Um, and then you're just, you're more receptive to hearing a response of, well, there's not much we can do, or here's what we can do that's more limited than what you'd like. But, uh, that, that just, yeah, the listening part is, uh, so key. Well, because you learn too, there's so much that you think you might know, but when you really listen to whatever, what people are afraid of or what they deeply want there's more in common and um and it's just both sides learn yeah absolutely fantastic um applied materials was that also an overseas assignment oh gosh no (laughs) but it could have been (laughs) 85 percent of the revenues were outside the u.s and most in asia so we were headquartered in california um that's a company that makes the equipment that produces the chips that go, you know, some chips that go into everything we use today. Um, I went in to be part of a startup arm that was using that equipment that makes semiconductor chips to make solar panels. So it was really cool to see if you could do this startup within a big company, which to your point about, you know, the, intrapreneurial Intrapreneur, yeah. <laughs> I was part of how we put you know how we studied and put in place a different way of enabling innovation within a large company I loved that and mm. we did have some incredibly successful uh, technologies and other things that have since been incredibly successful for the company but that was, you know, yeah, it was a very global experience, but, you know, in the U.S. Wow. Okay. Fantastic. And then um, you headed to the U.K. where you were. Yeah. At <laughs> <laughs> well, and there's a, a very different experience because, it, well, of course, if you know the brand, it's a very yeah. iconic uh, uh, company that's had tremendous success and yet was in a phase of transformation. So, you know, sometimes it's much harder to change when you hearken back to, you know, the good old days and success and, you know, to be a head of HR who is uh, American and, you know, coming in as a, you know, from, from in many ways, the outside, 
during a tremendous time of change. That was a very interesting experience. Mm. I loved it. Uh, the company's still now really, I mean, think about how COVID has changed travel and uh, the whole aviation industry is really impacted, but you know, it's, um, yeah, it was a tremendous experience. It would be very different to be there now as well. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they say of the US and UK, uh, two countries divided by a common language. Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> because I think what what happens as a matter of fact, so if I were to go to Belgium, which I did, you'd have some cultural training because there's yeah. so much to appreciate and know and to be ready for so you can assimilate. You actually, uh, it's overlooked a lot when you go to the UK because of what you just said. People think, well, we're, aren't we the same? We're very different. We're very, very different. different people with different cultures and ideas and thoughts. So it's really important. And, you know, I wish I'd had that. I learned uh, a lot, but you learn it the hard way. And, yeah. um, you know, I, I think someday I could live in the UK again. I, I, mm. uh, loved my experience and loved the country um you know but we're all going through a lot of change i mean look at brexit and everything it's yeah, it's uh it's a lot of change yeah no absolutely well um i don't know if you have a chance to to watch much um streaming but uh, there's a great show called ted lasso that you might oh, have heard of this. no Oh, it's uh, the um, premise is that a, an American football coach from Wichita, Kansas, gets picked <laughs> to run a, a Premier League team. Uh, and the storyline's a bit like the movie Major League, where it's a uh, it's an ex-wife who uh, wants to get back at her husband, so she picks somebody whom she believes will you know will, will lose. And uh, it's a great story. There's a lot of heart in it, but of course, there's a lot of that cultural back and forth between uh, Americans and uh, and Britain. I the love British. it. I'll check it out. <laughs> no, I was watching The Crown. Ah, okay. Well, things, that, that's very now, British. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, but I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm back in the U.S. now and near family. So you know, I was prior living in California, but now I'm uh, in upstate New York where I'm near family. And uh, when I came back, you know, this is pre-COVID as well, there was the goal to be, I needed and wanted to be near family, but also to have a little more flex and balance for a period of time, which is phenomenal, you know, given I've kind of, of been go, 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 go. So yeah. I love it. Some people I think yeah. struggle with that when they've had a very different pace, but I think right. it's terrific. I do partner with Accenture to do a little bit of talent and org consulting. And I started a, like. yeah. Yeah, a chief HR officer forum uh, with Accenture, which is great and up and running and has you know seventy five of the world's best CHROs in it, um, but Wonderful. on the side, my side hustle, which <laughs> I just launched less than a year ago, as uh, you know, as it turns out, is where a huge passion of mine is, and that's really about helping everyone explore how navigating a career is very different right now and going forward, and how to how to learn from that and really navigate mm. well, because I think. I think it's so important. I think if you have assumptions that it's the way it used to be, you know, you can run into a lot of challenge, but 
it's really exciting ahead, but it re I think it takes all of us helping each other to navigate. That's so well said. And uh, hence your, your, the name of your company, Modern Career, because it's highlighting how it has changed going forward. But I, I love the sense of community that you just uh, invoked. Well, of, it's uh, great. I, you know, I had an experience uh, recently, uh, uh, one of my mentees who is in the UK is this brilliant, young uh, PhD. She's in her 20s, uh, originally from Kenya, and she's uh, a PhD, uh, She's an engineer at Rolls-Royce. But she, her side hustle called Educator Global is all about STEM. And so she asked me to join a conversation. And there were, you know, quite a number of young professionals from all over the world on it. And at the very end, they said, could you stay on, ask a couple questions? Sure, and we're talking. Somebody asked me a question and I answer. And what I found fascinating is she may say, you know, how do you get on this competitive program at company X? And I have a point of view. Two minutes later, three others who she never met, they're just on this same call, start sharing ideas and they also were looking at those programs, but they said, here's what I did and here's what you should do. And it was this rich sharing across. And I think that's fabulous. That's yeah. where it's, that's what it's about is, yeah, you know, winning together, you know, co-elevating each other and sharing in a different way because, you know, it's not a limited pool. We can all rise and win together. Correct. Right, right. Well, and that, that's a great sentiment, but it does feel a little counter to what uh, people naturally think of in terms of, you know, career competition. It's, it is a pyramid. There are fewer spots True. at the top. True. And uh, so there's almost this inclination to be less uh, right. uh, inclusive. Um, um, so it's, it's fascinating that, uh, and I, I, I would agree it, that's, it's, it's the best way to do it. And that's how, you know, in collaborative teams, they work, that's how they work best. Not if one is, everyone's looking out for themselves, it's what's the greater good that can be accomplished. Completely. Yeah. And so, um, I was just gonna say with Modern Career, you're, you're uh, helping um, uh, people with your amazing wealth of experience and, and expertise and having witnessed uh, those changes and, and have you've touched so many people in their as they were progressing through their careers. Um, so it's fabulous. And uh, the various components of it, you've got a, a coaching platform that's the centerpiece, right? Well, there are three things. It started as a podcast, so bringing more conversation. Some of that was from HR leaders because there's such a wealth. We see what happens. Mm. How do people advance? Well, you know, How do you get promoted? How do you reach the goals you want to reach? And that should not be a secret right? It just right. shouldn't be. So really, <laughs> let's bring that out into the open. How did they navigate their careers? What did they find successful? And other leaders, so bring lots of, you know, leaders from all different, you know, industries and backgrounds, but also thought leaders or so, you know, people who've written books on related topics, or they, they blog or just are, you know, uh, in any way, a thought leader on how do you navigate the world of work and careers. And while we were doing this, I think we just really saw that so many of them were saying that part of their success was because they really invested in themselves along the way. They didn't wait for their companies to do it. They had coaches or they worked it in some way. And so we started offering the coaching offering. 
uh, we will be launching some workshops and we're developing one that I'm very excited about because I think it's sort of the, it really puts together the trifecta of what it takes to navigate a career, but it is, it's, you've got to know yourself and know what's possible. You've got to continuously grow towards what you want. And then you have to flow in a way that just, it makes it happen. A lot of people stop at that part for confidence or other reasons. So mm. it, it, it really enables the three. And I think of people coming into their careers, that would be invaluable. Um, yeah. But also mid-career people when they realize they're not really achieving everything they want or they're wanting to make a pivot, that's when you want to step back and refresh. Because often they may have skipped over one of those fundamental yeah. ones, like even just knowing who they are and what what they want. I mean, you, you've made pivots, you've had those life experiences, you know, um, how can we make that just more natural and easier for people? Mm, no, that's fantastic. Would you say then, um, like, who, who's an ideal client for you? Somebody who's mid-career dissatisfied or someone who's looking for that change? It's a great question. Um, I don't know if there is an ideal because we do offer for entry or mid or even senior. I do executive coaching and all three come with unique sets of, you know, interests or challenges or things that they want to, you know, the aspirations they want to achieve, but also what, what they may need, you know, some collaboration and, and support on. Um, but I think it's someone who's really, to, who really gets that that investment in themselves is really important. I work with a, a woman who does negotiation coaching. And I think this is, she has stats that would blow you away. But that power of what you do to learn how to negotiate, especially earlier in your career, and, and what a difference those small things, even if it was a small amount on a new salary offer, or if not this, then maybe time off here or something else that's important to you. The compounding effect of those over a career and what a difference that makes. And for some people, those skills are learned and come more naturally. And for others, you, you know, you got to brush up on that. But it's really, really important. Yeah, no, it's so true. And we don't, right? don't think about it. Um, a very short anecdote. I started my career in investment banking. And it was one of the hardest things because you thought you're one of 70, 90 uh, people in this pool. And there were 17 from my school coming directly. And I thought there's no scope to ask for anything. And of course, I also was very just, you know, not at being a natural self-promoter, didn't know how to do it. An idea dawned on me. And I said, I have to talk about myself in the third person. Yes. As if I'm speaking about <laughs> someone else so right. that I don't get emotionally involved. Yep, and exactly. somebody else, a peer of mine was struggling with, God, I really want to ask for this, but I just want to know. And so I shared that idea and they were like, it was like revelatory. <laughs> and, uh, no, it's that, brilliant. Like, that it's idea brilliant. of community, because then it spread right? around. I'm sure the management wasn't so happy because then suddenly they had these outspoken analysts who aren't really supposed to have a voice. But <laughs> well, you <laughs> know what, though, there's that. There's that mindset that sometimes it's an eye gain and, so, and maybe the company loses too, but generally it's a win-win. I mean, you know what my, one of my favorite 
um, shows that I've watched recently is The Last Dance with uh, the story of the Bulls and Michael Jordan. And uh, oh, yes. Yeah, it's on Netflix. Oh, my God, the lessons in that. But, you know, you look at Scottie Pippen, um, um, immensely successful. But I think to myself, what a crime, what a shame, what would have been, what what could have been possible if he just had the foundation of feeling equitably paid, <laughs> like why? And there yeah. are ways to do things that, yeah. you know, and I don't know all that went into that, of course, but it's, I just think sometimes it's such, it's important for the company and it's important for top talent. So yeah. there's a way to figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Mary, um, Modern Career is such a great platform. You can speak to so many different people at various stages, and that just uh, it speaks volumes of the expertise you've honed in your career. And uh, it's great that you're giving back in this capacity. I think that's really Thank phenomenal. You. I think you're going to improve the the lives of so many, and I, I really applaud that. Thank you. And I think it... It does speak to, and you know, we we all talk about this, but it really is true that it makes a difference when you really know what you're deeply passionate about, and then you allow yourself to to go in that direction in some way. Sometimes it is um, something on the side and a hobby, but sometimes it becomes, you know, what you do in your life and career, and I think that's fantastic. Yeah, wonderful. That's great. Careers are really a journey. And they're really that journey of continuously learning. And they're they're not the straight up hierarchical, follow this path and it all goes well as maybe was once believed, but just keep bringing your unique and special, you know, your greatest gifts to bear and bring them against what you're most passionate about, but also bring your most authentic self. I think in times past as well, that wasn't always the case. And this focus on culture, culture and fit is bunk. We need to allow people to be their most authentic self. And when those three go together, that trifecta, companies will leapfrog, you will reach your goals and the world will be better. So that's the that's the way forward and and we're all a part of that but that's really what i fundamentally believe is what makes a modern career oh that's fantastic well we thank you for sharing your journey with us and and doing it in an authentic manner (laughs) really enjoyed chatting with you thanks again